This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell from the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Danuka McKenzie, welcome to Better Reading. Hello, Cheryl. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, You've got such a lovely energy, even over Zoom, because, you know, it's really hard to pick up. That's why I don't like Zoom so much, but you you don't pick up a connection. But you have got that, that beautiful smiley face. I've instantly taken a liking to you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) That's lovely. (laughs) I thought you were only 16. I thought how Yes, uh, just a, a book prodigy. That's all right. That's right. That's right. All right. Now, um, uh, Dinica is, did I pronounce that correctly? Oh, that's okay. It's Dinica. Yeah, it's fine. Dinica is an Australian writer living in southern Sydney. She also works in the environmental sector and volunteers for the Writers Unleash Festival. In 2020, her debut crime fiction novel, The Torrent, won the HarperCollins Australia Banjo Prize and has just been published, making her a new voice in crime fiction to look out for. I mean, wow. How fortunate and also I'm going to say lucky, but it's never luck because you wrote a good book. Oh, yes, but I also I think there is always an element of luck. You know, I think that there is that wonderful thing of your book meeting sort of the publisher it needs to. And, um, you know, I'm very fortunate in that book finding Anna Valdinger, you know, in that sense, because I think very much, you know, you know, the book is very much about a woman managing those two sides of her life, which is like sort of um, that full-on work life as well as managing her family life. And I think, you know, for, for someone like Anna who was exactly doing in that same place in her life as well, I think it really resonated, you know, and I think, you know, I, I actually wonder about that. I wonder if it meant a different publisher would would that have resonated the same way, you know? And uh, that's a really good point. Now, just for our listeners so they know, Anna Valdiger is a publisher at HarperCollins and you've been yes. published by HarperCollins because the Banjo Prize is a HarperCollins award. So uh, we'll get back to that. But I think you're definitely right. I think this is why sometimes there's real value in finding an agent because agents know how to connect stories with publishers and editors. I think that's a really good point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, because we're all we're all readers and we connect with different things and we, you know, we all have different life experiences and some stories connect with us more just just purely because we have those shared experiences. So I think, you know, it's it is there is absolutely an element of luck and fortune and, you know, whatever fairy dust or whatever it is, you know, that that is uh you know that that comes with these kind of things. So yes, there's the writing and the hard work, which, you know, I, I would say, you know, that just goes without saying, because I mean all all writers are working hard at their books. I mean that's not, you know, I'm not special in that way. But uh, but yeah, you know, and, and 
and people say like it just needs to find that one person and for me that was you know that was Anna and that was you know Harper Collins I'm very lucky like of course I'm very lucky to to have that so um yeah and and the banjo you know has obviously it's just completely changed my life like in one moment you know bang you know your publishing dream comes true (laughs) but tell me how you came to entering it like you know when did you start writing and had you been writing and entering competitions for a while yeah absolutely so um so yes, very interesting question. So I had actually, so the Banjo Prize, the uh, inaugural Banjo Prize was actually 2018 and I entered a very early draft, very early draft of this uh, this manuscript in there and it did nothing, you know. Uh, so, you know, that, that shows you sort of that, you know, yes, as you say, like the, the manuscript still has to work, like on top of the luck. Uh, so I basically, I think, started writing, I think the very first draft I put down for this was in 2017 um, and then sort of been working on it, you know, all throughout sort of um, getting, you know, feedback and, you know, um, and just developing it and developing it. And every time I got it, some feedback and they went, well, this it's, you know, really slow or whatever and, you know, I'd keep working on it, keep working on it. So, yeah, so then 2020 was when, I lodged for banjo, yes. <laughs> so this is the first time I've heard this, I think, and I've spoken to a lot of authors in my time. So you entered the same manuscript twice, <laughs> but you kept working on it. Yes, absolutely. So I think the story was a very kind of skeleton version of what it is now, you know. It was, um, and I think, you know, a lot of things changed and I developed, you know, kind of structurally completely kind of changed it around and, you know, uh, sort of there's, there's like a whole new story thread and there's a whole number of additional characters that were added in. The point of views completely changed. So, you know, it went through a number, you know, quite a lot of changes. So, um, yes, it was the original idea, but, you know, you when you're working on something for that long, essentially for me, I was very much kind of, uh, you know, what, what's that saying? It's build, uh, building and flying the plane at the same time or what, whatever it's called, you know. So I was very much learning the craft as I was doing it, you know. So for me, this, I still absolutely consider this my apprenticeship novel. So it's as much of a surprise to <laughs> that, you know, it's it's managed to kind of find this success, you know, as it is to sort of everybody else because, yeah, like I never expected it, you know, like I, this, I was still learning my craft through this manuscript. So uh, when I started kind of querying this manuscript and I think, sorry, to go back to your original question, which was any other competitions, yeah, absolutely. I entered it into the uh, KYD, of, you know, Kill Your Darlings Unpublished Manuscript Award. I entered into the uh, Bath um, novel award, which is, I think, also again, um, unpublished uh, manuscript award. So, yes. So, and so essentially, I had like sort of a spreadsheet <laughs> and I had all the publishers and I had sort of their competitions, you know, and I went, okay, well, if you put it into that, then that means someone's actually going to read it rather than necessarily kind of sitting in the slush pile because a slush pile can be, you know, who knows when they're going to read that, right? So, I thought, you know, in that year, someone is going to read it. Like, and my assumption was someone's going to reject it and then I can just move on to the next thing. So tick, I've crossed off Huff Collins, I can move on to the next publisher. So that was very much where my headspace was. So it was a complete sort of an utter shock to me that, <laughs> uh, yeah, that this incredible thing happened because, um, yeah, I mean, this is my first novel and, you know, this is when I really took up writing and so... I think uh, you're really gutsy to enter it again. I think that... Oh, <laughs> Yeah, 
Well, I think, you know, I felt like, I mean, you know, I don't think you should, like I knew it had significantly changed. Like I knew it wasn't, like I could see the progression, you know, and I knew, I mean, you know, it's actually quite cringeworthy actually, you know, admitting to that, but I had essentially submitted a first draft. I mean, that's that's so embarrassing. I mean, that just shows my naivety and, and the level of knowledge at the time, you know, because I was literally just starting out and I went, oh, I've written something, woohoo, I just said that. <laughs> like that's, I mean, it's cringeworthy, you know, now talking about that. But, yeah, that's what it is. I guess you you, you don't know what you don't know and, and, you, and you learn along the way. Uh, and I think I've made every single mistake there is to make in writing um, and that's fine, you know, like and I've learned from them. Yeah, and and sort of you just keep going. And I think at the time, you know, I had no point of reference. I wasn't part of the writing community. I didn't, you know, have that knowledge base to kind of um, rely on. And um, now, you know, having listened to podcasts and, you know, like being in the writing community, I know (laughs) what a manuscript should look like when it's submitted, like when you're querying. Like that's not what I... (laughs) I mean, you know, that's not what I submitted, you know. So, uh, yeah, so I would say that version, whilst it actually even at the time was, um, I think it was even called something else at the time, but that, yes, in theory it was the same idea, but, and it had, you know, a detective, the the story is significantly different now, yeah. (laughs) Okay, I want to go back, you know, to uh, how you came to writing. Like, take me back to, um, because you were telling me that your parents are from Sri Lanka and that you immigrated when you were what, 11 or 12? Yeah, when I was 12. So to, I came to Australia when I was 12, did my high school um, in Australia. But, you know, it's interesting. So I never really had an ambition about writing. So writing, I mean, I've always been a reader, like absolutely that's always been a key part of me. I've always reading and my kind of memories, even back in Sri Lanka, I was just always reading. So that, that love of reading was there, but nil ambitions for writing. Like that literally never occurred to me. Yes. I want to know, I want to know that coming out, because my parents, I'm from an immigrant background and um, the shock of starting school for me was just, I, I have no memory of not knowing how to speak English, but I didn't know how to speak English when I started school. So tell me about your cultural experience of that transfer, if you like, you know, coming to a country, had you been here before? And what were your expectations? What was your first couple of weeks of school like? Tell me about that. Yeah, wow, okay. So I was very lucky in the sense that so um, I was born to a middle-class family in, in Sri Lanka, so I went to a um, school, what they call in Sri Lanka, like an English medium school. <laughs> so you, so your teachers taught you in English. So my parents spoke English, uh, you know, the whole family spoke English uh, and were taught in English. So I my earliest memories of reading were very much in English. So I read in Blyton, all of in Blyton and all those kind of books. Um, my, my parents had this kind of bookshelf, which was just filled with like Reader's Digest books and I used to read all of those. So, yeah, so I always read in English. So that was, you know, I think in, in terms of that transition, that <clears throat> wasn't too bad. Yeah. Uh, what was more interesting was, you know, coming from an all-girls school to sort of a co-ed school <laughs> Uh, and having never, having never experienced that, and also, you know, in Sri Lanka, like at the time, like I'm sure it's changed. I haven't been back for years, so I'm sure it's not like this anymore. But at the time, you know, uh, the focus was very much on study, like it wasn't on sport. So I come to Australia where, like, everything is about sport. You know, like going to the beach, being able to swim, yeah, you know, like riding a bike. None of which I could do. 
<laughs> so it was that that culture shock, you know, um, of of just being like, oh, all the things that I'm good at, like that counts for nothing in in school, like you know, in that in that kind of populist kind of school environment. So yeah, so that was a culture shock. But you know, you I guess you learn to adjust, and I, and I think you know because we moved around in Sydney a couple of times, and uh, it, it did make me resilient in that way like it was it wasn't easy sort of moving high school three times but it sort of created that resilience because you had to kind of then I guess learn to make new friends and yeah yeah, and fit in again and so but what I will say is I think someone said to me ages ago I honestly can't remember who but like sort of once you start dreaming in the language that you kind of move to that's when you know sort of like your headspace is there. So I think, yeah, so I honestly can't remember dreaming in Singalese, you know, like, um, you know, like, I mean, I'm sure I did in Sri Lanka, but I, I have no memory of it anymore. So I think my experience is very much that that English, because honestly we did speak that at home, you know, like I've, I've, my entire experience was watching English um, TV. I mean, we watched Singalese TV as well, like, you know, um, they were both on, but, yeah, my memories are of watching, you know, you know, English movies, you know, like all the Hollywood movies and, you know, I have all that experience. So, yeah, so I think I kind of, yeah, you, I had that to fall back on. I had a little bit of cultural kind of um, reference point to kind of, yeah. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Did you have experiences like, I mean, you know, this is mine and I know it's a common one. You know, my mother used to give me Lebanese bread sandwiches to take to school and everybody else had peanut butter on white bread. <laughs> and I was mortified every time I pulled my lunch out. It took me a long time to embrace the difference. <laughs> Did you know uh, any of that? No, I don't, I don't know. We just, um, I think, look. I think when, when we got here, my mum was just so busy working. We just kind of, I think we just kind of made food ourselves. And Because in Sri Lanka, I think it was just weird thing where I went home for lunch, I think. So, in, in you know, you finish school and then came home and there's this big lunch. And in a way, I think it took, <laughs> took a little while to kind of get used to the fact that, oh, in Australia you've got recess at lunch and you're meant to have food <laughs> in your <laughs> like in your bag for that you, know? you have to get something out of your bag and that took a little while um so but you know I think like we just did sandwiches and whatever but yeah I, no I didn't necessarily bring like a full pack lunch as in a you know like shrunken food I, di- I didn't do that but um but I think it was just more the fact that oh okay I have to like it was just, you know, just that difference, you know. I think it was just coming in and going, oh, there's like boys in my class. And, oh. <laughs> and I think, I think at that age too, particularly eleven and twelve, you know, in high school, you said you moved around a bit. They're formative years. I mean, that's yes. 
you know, unlike primary school, I think it's even harder in high school. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, um, you know, certainly, you know, this is this is very much changing in Australia now. But, you know, I came in at the height of, I guess, you know, in the mid-90s or early 90s where, you know, assimilation, that's how migrants worked. You know, migrants came to Australia and we assimilated. You know, we tried our very best to be as Australian as possible. And certainly I was no different. You know, I think that is changing very much. And, you know, there's far more conversations around identity now and 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 sort of, uh, you know, being proud of, you know, and not wanting to lose that culture and very much wanting to um, sort of hang on to your, um, you know, your heritage and stuff like that. So, like, I am now having to sort of almost look back and go, oh, okay, how would I have done things differently or, you know, and having to reevaluate what like that whole path that I took, which was very much absolutely assimilating and giving at no point anyone any um, cause to 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 question, you know, um, because I was so assimilated, you know, I, I worked on the accent, I, you know, all of that, right? So, yeah, I, I guess that's my experience in terms of, yeah, it was it was of assimilation and making sure, uh, yeah, I, I got on and, and I had the accent and I understood the culture and, and I, did yeah. You miss, did you miss Sri Lanka? Do you remember missing your country? Yeah, absolutely. So I had very, uh, you know, very fond memories of Sri Lanka and, and, and actually I think there is one recurring dream that I have. I don't know when I have it, sort of, I don't know if it's during times of stress or whatever, but it's always back at my old school. So I'm wandering the grounds and, you know, some, some weird thing is happening, but it's in that, in those grounds. So it's really interesting. It's never my, like the houses, you know, our homes, it's never the homes. It was, it's the school, which is really interesting. I like, I don't know what that says about me or the school or whatever, but, <laughs> but yeah, that, that is actually quite interesting because that is a reoccurring thing that uh, it's always the memories of that school that kind of come back to me in sort of that unconscious state. Yeah. So that's really interesting. You know, um, I was born in Australia, but my parents did a lot of coming and going in the early years. And so, you know, um, even though I feel very often that I, I, I don't know, I feel a bit more Lebanese than I do Australian, but anyway, by the by, but here I am yeah. in San Francisco at the moment and yeah. there's less of a Lebanese community or there might be more except that, you know, cause I know where they are in Sydney and yes. I haven't found them here yet. But the other day I was walking and I walked past a Middle Eastern food shop, right? And I hadn't been able to find good Lebanese bread here. And anyway, but it was the smell. I walked past it yes. and I smelled something. I thought, what, what, what's that? And it's the Lebanese peppers and the Lebanese spices. And I backtracked and I walked into the shop and I just stood there and closed my eyes and just took in all those smells. And it really took me, I felt a little bit homesick for Sydney, even though it was a Middle Eastern shop. Do you know what I mean? It was really- oh, absolutely. I think, I think, like you're so right. I mean, I think if there was one thing that I would say I had to miss, like absolutely miss, miss, it would be the food, like the proper um, stuff that you can't. I mean, I think actually in like places like the Northern Territory and sort of um, North, North Coast, you get those more tropical kind of, it's far more available. Um, and and I think I live in a part of Sydney where uh, like I would have to travel in order to find sort of a specialist shop. Um, you know, Asian grocer to find those things. But, yeah, like the really kind of, I guess, what I would call, you know, what would be considered sort of peasant food, which was just, um, you know, like a sweet potato or a manioc, we used to call it, and just that boiled with salt and a little bit of like um, chilli 
sambal thing and literally and, and freshly grated coconut now that is like the most peasant thing but I, I can't like I can't get that here right and just those kind of memories where you're just like oh like I, I won't be able to have that anymore yeah. until I go back it's right how food takes you to another place yes you know? um, I've been a regular at that job now I just walk in there just because I want to smell it <laughs> Yes, absolutely. <laughs> the guy thinks I'm really strange. Um, okay, so um, tell me when you started thinking about writing, because you've had a career right up to this point, haven't you? Yes, absolutely. So I work in sort of um, the environment sector and so um, in environmental impact assessment. So I have this history of, I guess, writing in a professional sense because we're writing, uh, I guess, environmental reports and assessing impacts. So in that sense, yes, I've written all my professional life, but I had absolutely no ambition of creative writing. Um, you know, it, it literally didn't occur to me. Uh, but when I had my kids and um, particularly when I had my um, second child, you know, I was just in that really overwhelming space of looking after young kids, trying to manage a career that I've built up over these years and having to come to that realisation that, oh, well, actually it will never be the same as it was. I will have to go part-time, you know, like I will have to manage, I will have to navigate those things um, and and make decisions that are, like, best for the family. And, you know, like women just are forced into those decisions. Like that's just the way it is. Yes, I was in that mess of, not mess, but just in that really overwhelming space of uh, trying to navigate those two worlds and feeling kind of that you're not doing, either particularly well or that you could be doing you know you know both better and I just felt like I needed to carve out something for myself that wasn't that had no relation to my kids or my you know my husband or you know my employment or any of that and I just wanted something for myself and so uh, I guess for me not being sort of having no other creative pursuits I wasn't a musician or a sportsman or a you know whatever else there is um so you know I fell back to the love of reading and I thought oh well maybe I could just like start pottering and, and start writing you know uh and of course then I completely fell in love with it you know and it felt like oh you know and every kind of chance I could then I would kind of go back to it because it it, it felt like suddenly you have a world that you can control <laughs> the pieces and it was like you could sort of make up something and 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 I could process all the things that I was sort of grappling with through that character and Kate is very much going through you know a lot of those things uh, herself and having to manage those two worlds sometimes not very well <laughs> um, and and you know and that's essentially what I was doing you know like processing all that stuff through her um, so yeah so that's how kind of writing came about and, and, and of did course, you set out to write crime fiction yeah, so that's really interesting because so that's my comfort read. Yeah. Um, and again, um, so within crime fiction, you know, detective, you know, detective fiction is again like you know that sub genre which I really love um, as well, and that is absolutely my comfort read. So it literally never occurred to me to write anything. Else. Yeah. So when I was right, I just wrote what I loved reading, right? And and so it was just it like literally when I was trying to think of uh, ideas, it was always on the basis of a crime. Like, it, they, you know, there had to be like a mystery. I just, I don't even, like now looking back, I, I can't even think about why I never considered anything else. But because people ask me this question, I go, yeah, it's true. I literally never considered anything else. Uh, what came out? Because I think just sat down, started writing and what came out was 
this detective, you know. And I think, you know, I was probably trying to emulate sort of, you know, my favourite reads or whatever at the time. But So the book's called The Torrent and tell us a little bit about what, what it's about because I can see that this character is going to develop and grow like yourself over the years. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, so The Torrent is basically a police procedural uh, set in northern New South Wales and it follows my protagonist, um, Kate Miles, who's a very heavily pregnant detective um, in her last week of work uh, before she goes on maternity leave. So when we meet her, she's essentially in the middle of investigating a uh, an armed hold-up at a uh, fast food restaurant and so she's she's sort of investigating that when her boss kind of asks her to look into this other case and review a uh, a historic um, case of an accidental death in floodwaters. So, so basically, the, the town went through summer flooding, and there was a number of fatalities during that time, and and uh, this means some family pressure, and and they're, they're asked to look at this case again. So, so Kate is kind of dumped with that case, um, and all her kind of her chief inspector wants of her is to just read the case file write a quick report and it's done of course yeah (laughs) but of course Kate doesn't really work like that so uh yeah so the story goes on from there so is that it are you committed to being a writer now um yeah look I I mean I'm gonna ride this wave as far as it takes me you know I'm in this extraordinarily fortunate position of you know having you know, found, like stumbled on this thing that I love to do and seem to have sort of a affinity to be able to do at a very, you know, I consider quite a late stage of my career. And I'm in a very privileged position in the sense that I am able to divert my time to that, i.e. I have the financial capacity, I have the, you know, I have the incredible support of my family and my partner who, you know, is totally fine with me making sort of decisions like that. Go, oh, I might devote some time to writing. It's like, okay, fair enough. You know, but that, like, I, I accept that that is a huge privilege, but, you know, that, you know, not a lot of people have that. So, um, you know, so I am very lucky to be in that position. So, you know, I am going to kind of grab it with everything I have and just kind of write it, yeah. Have you started the second book? Yes, so So I'm very, very lucky because so what happened was basically while I was querying um, the torrent or the manuscript that became the torrent, um, I immediately started writing the sequel because, you know, that's what they tell you to do because otherwise you're just waiting on people to come back to you and reject your manuscript, so you might as well be working on something else. So, uh, yes, so I was, I was doing that. So I've, I've been writing that since probably 2019, I think, or maybe mid-2019, I can't quite remember. But anyway, I managed to finish it last year. Yeah, God, I'm getting my years mixed up. It's 2022 now, so it is last year. Yes, I finished it last year and uh, submitted it to HarperCollins and they've accepted it. So there is a, um, yeah, so, so, and we got it, they accepted it before the final print run for um, the torrent. So there's actually a sneak peek at the back of the torrent, which is kind of quite cool. So, yeah. I'm so happy for you. Congratulations. Oh, Look, you know, as you said earlier, some of it's luck, but most of it I think is hard work. Most of it. Oh, absolutely. We're out of time. So thank you very much. I've had a lovely time chatting with you, a lot of fun. I love your energy and I can't wait for your next book. Oh, thank you so much, Cheryl. Thank you so much for making time for me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. 
This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere. Or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBook Store. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.